Before we dive into this episode, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you love listening to this show, please take a second and leave a review. It'll help boost the show so that others struggling in a toxic workplace can find it. Thanks. I was on a job hunt. I answered a help wanted ad in a newspaper that basically was like, send your credentials, your resume to this PO box. Applied, got interviewed, got the job. It was for a kennel manager. This is Pamela. Pamela started working as a kennel manager in 2002 at a nonprofit no-kill animal rescue league. At that time, they were helping about 200 pets a year, and it was a small core of employees and a volunteer base. Things are going great. Really loved the job. It was so much fun. It was so much fun helping people, helping animals, building relationships, working with the volunteers. I mean, it was just a tremendously fun job. In the early years of working at the Protective League, Pamela loved everything about her job. It was a well-managed organization. But after years of service in a handful of great directors, one bad egg would completely kill that vibe. My name's Carly, and this is Toxic Workplace, a podcast that gives a platform to those who have survived a highly toxic work experience, only to come out with newfound wisdom and a renewed sense of self. A toxic workplace is more than just the daily grind. It's a soul-crushing experience that will chip away at your sanity until you're about to lose your mind. It's an abusive relationship that's hard to leave. And the longer you stay, the more you lose sight of who you set out to be. Pamela explained to me that in the years leading up to her toxic experience, this organization went through a number of amazing executive directors who truly contributed to their growth and success. Amy, who was one of these executive directors, had a positive, lasting impact on Pamela. She was highly supportive and approachable. Amy was there for about eight years or so. The organization continued to grow. Amazing job. I mean, you just, you couldn't ask for a better group of people. We hired more physicians. We hired more adoption counselors. We hired a volunteer manager. We hired assistant kennel director. Just amazing growth spurt. And we went from maybe less than 40 volunteers when I first started there to two to 300 volunteers between the shelter and foster homes. And so during that time frame up to Amy, we just really figured out ways to really grow the organization. And so we were up to helping about 2,200 pets a year at that time. Yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> it was an amazing place to work. It was hard work. It wasn't easy work. It was mentally draining and physically draining at times, but everyone loved their job. We were just able to really help a lot of animals. And a director of development was hired. I mean, I mean the, the organization was just growing. So we had grown so much that we had actually rented an office space that was within a sh very short walking distance of where the shelter and the clinic were. And in that office is where. Amy worked, where Elizabeth worked. She was the director of development. Event. She came on as an events personnel to begin with, and then was promoted to uh, director of development. 
Real quick, you're going to need to remember Elizabeth's name because she's the toxic instigator of this whole story. They were at the off-site office. Uh, that's where Elizabeth worked. You know, the little things just started started happening. Like, these are some of the things that kind of pop into mind. So there would be someone that would come over to the off-site office location. Occasionally, I would be over there. And a board member would come in and talk to Amy and talk to Elizabeth. They would leave, and she would literally be looking at Amy going, that's your problem right there. That's why we can't get anything done. That particular board member doesn't know what they're doing. They're an idiot, that sort of talk. She would just be highly critical of people. She would criticize somebody for the car that they drove. This one particular time I can think of, the car was purchased from CarMax because it had a CarMax thing on it. And they go to leave and she's just like, my car costs more than that. See that? He got that car from CarMax. You know, this hypercritical things like that. That was how she operated. The events coordinator that was there that backfilled her spot, she would call her dumb and stupid all the time and just hyper criticize everything this poor child did. But Amy and I would go out to lunch a lot just to kind of talk and, okay, what's happening at the shelter? You know, this is what's happening here. Let's catch up. Um, so we would go to lunch and Amy would sometimes tell me stories about Elizabeth. Never in a derogatory way, but just, you know, things like, um, you know, I'm writing the spring appeal and Elizabeth feels like it should be like this format, but this is the letter I want to put my name to just kind of talking about how she was going to figure that out. What was she going to do? Like, this is what my gut's telling me to do. So I would hear some stories, stories that I, you know, didn't witness firsthand, but uh, just feedback like that. Pamela knew that Elizabeth had some toxic qualities, but she hadn't experienced the full extent of what was to come. She still had Amy in the executive director position, and things were still bright. But soon enough, there would be a shift where Amy would no longer be there to support the organization. The first person I know she had a direct hand in them losing their job was the person that was taking care of our books. Elizabeth really wanted the budget to be designed in a certain way. She went to this person about the budget, and they just basically said, no, I've made the budget. I have the numbers. You know, this is what the budget's going to be. Elizabeth took it upon herself to change some of those numbers. I don't know how. And there was a verbal confrontation in front of the shelter. The other person told her, mind your own business. And Elizabeth went to the board and said, I don't feel safe with this person. This person is threatening me. And so it led to that person's dismissal. Elizabeth is a charmer. She's used her charm to get through to the board so that she can pick people off who go against her without resistance from those who make the decisions. She's the kind of person who puts on a front around those she perceives as more powerful than herself and talks down to those she perceives to have little to no power. I think she finds a way to ingratiate herself with some people. I've seen her personally, like... You know, she'll be sitting there just yelling at me, standing there, yelling at me for something. She sees someone getting ready to come in at the corner of her eye and boom, on a dime. She says, hey, what you doing? What brings you in today? 
I heard her say some really inappropriate things about some of the board board members, like not even inappropriate things, just conjecture, but like, oh, she's a drunk or she doesn't know what she's talking about. I doubt very seriously she'd say anything like that to, to a board member. She was really good at isolating people, making them feel, you know, how some people are really good at making that other person think they're the crazy one with their actions and how they spin something back on you. The real turning point was Amy and Elizabeth didn't see eye to eye again about something that had to do with donors. And Amy had a conversation with her be like, you know, there's no sense both of us working on the same thing. You know, there are things I want to work on. There are things you want to work on. As her boss, you know, these are the expectations. Well, Elizabeth in turn sends an email to the board that says, Amy saying she can't work with me. I think she wants to fire me. And the board was already listening to Elizabeth complain that Amy wasn't doing her job. It was, it was one big lead up that she wasn't visiting donors. She wasn't raising any money. She wasn't doing the things that she needed to do. So Elizabeth had been in the board's ear about that. And then when she sent that email, the board president, he basically set her up and asked Amy, hey, is everything okay with Elizabeth? Amy said, yes. She never complained to the board about Elizabeth that I'm aware of. But yeah, she was trying to be a good leader and address the issue at hand, not realizing what Elizabeth was working on on the back end, right? And the board president literally says, aha, gotcha. And it, they let her go within the week. Amy even showed me the email between her and Elizabeth, where she was like, you know, not both work on the same things. You work on the things you enjoy. I'll work on the things I enjoy. And Elizabeth's reply was basically, yep, makes perfect sense. I'm paraphrasing. When Amy told me what was going on, I was like, Amy, why don't you show this to the board? And she's like, I, it's said and done. I'm, I'm done for. I am going to lose my job. So I'm just I'm going to go out with my head held high. She's like, I don't want necessarily to work for an organization that I know is going to fire me. I'm not willing to fight for this job because it won't ever be the same. Even if I'm successful in keeping my job, it's never going to be the same. With Amy out of the way, Elizabeth could now manipulate her way into the executive director seat where she would have full control over day-to-day -day operations. The board realized that Amy and I were really good friends and that we had worked together for a long time. And so two board members wanted to meet with me for lunch, and they were trying to time it at the same time that they were going to be letting Amy go. Met off site with the two board members. They were letting me know what was going on. They could tell I wasn't happy about it, that I didn't think it was right. And they asked me then and there, how would you feel if Elizabeth became the executive director? And I said, Elizabeth might have the business sense, but she does not have the personal skills you need to lead people. And they're like, okay, thank you for that feedback. You know, they go through all these motions of hiring basically someone to do a search for an executive director. That person asked me with me, what do you think should be, you know, an executive director to take Amy's place? Da, 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 da. What do you think about Elizabeth? I don't think Elizabeth's the right person for the job. She doesn't have the people skills. Set it to the headhunter. Meanwhile, I'm very conflicted on the inside because I love my job. I love what I can do for the animals. 
I love the people I work with. I'm still friends with Amy. I make a decision that I'm going to stick it out. Amy in no way encourages me one way or the other to leave or to stay. She supports whatever decision I make, which I feel like I'm betraying her, but I really want to keep my job. Down the line, of course, Elizabeth is promoted to executive director within a couple months, and then that's when the shit really starts hitting the fan. Okay, recap. The board let go of Amy because they felt she wasn't being upfront about tensions between her and Elizabeth. Maybe there were some other conversations that happened behind closed doors that Pamela isn't privy to. Ultimately, Elizabeth's words and actions had some part in Amy's dismissal. I find it very curious that the board members asked Pamela what she thought of Elizabeth being executive director so soon after Amy's dismissal. And then even the headhunter asked the same question. Did they already know they were going to promote Elizabeth to that position when they fired Amy and were just going through the hiring search motions to check the boxes? Or were they truly unsure whether Elizabeth was a good fit and eventually gave in to the search? But why did they ultimately choose Elizabeth in the end? Maybe to save money on the headhunter's commission or to end the stressful process of filling an executive role? The fact that they spent time looking for someone else may show that they didn't fully trust that Elizabeth was the right fit. These are questions we can only speculate. I didn't go on a campaign to sully Elizabeth's reputation. You know, one side of me is like, well, maybe she'll be super successful, you know, trying to rationalize it, even though I knew she didn't have people skills and that she wasn't a kind person. So it's not like I told anybody, hey, this is what she did. And I just sat with it. I just just sat with it and I would continue to try to do my job the best I could. And then that's when Elizabeth really started saying things like certain people on staff weren't doing what they were supposed to do and they weren't good at their job and I was a bad leader and I didn't know what I was doing and I had poor discipline and really ran out staff members. It used to be that the finance person and myself would go to every board meeting. And within like a year of her taking on executive director, all of a sudden, Elizabeth was the only one that really needed to go. She was in really tight with the board president. It was evident. It was just evident at the meetings. I'm not saying that was nefarious in its own sense, but it was a big shift for this organization because I would give my report. I would answer any questions that the board had. The finance person would answer any financial questions. There was relationship building between the staff and the board members. And then all of a sudden it was like, yep, nope, we only want Elizabeth. If you're needed, we'll ask you to come to the board meeting. I think that's when she really started just fostering those relationships with certain board members to, one, protect herself. I mean, she's spinning it. She's spinning it in a fashion that holds her in a favorable light because at this point people are leaving. And I'm hearing why they're leaving, because they're coming to me going, I can't take it. I can't take her anymore. I can't take her anymore. She is unreasonable. Her demands are unreasonable. She is not nice to me. I'm hearing all of it. And it's just like the writing's on the wall. I know sooner or later she's going to turn heat up on me. And she does. Changing the dynamic of the board meetings is a critical part of the story. Removing voices from the communication pipeline 
the pipeline that connects day-to-day operations to the group of decision makers instantly eroded the board's ability to have clear insight and understanding of what is actually going on inside the operation. How can business leaders make sound decisions when they're only getting one side of the story? Somehow, Elizabeth convinced them that Pamela's insight and the finance person's insight was unnecessary to listen to at the roundtable. With only one voice in the boardroom, these board members were only receiving Elizabeth's story. Most certainly the culture under Amy and the two other prior ones that were there for longer runs was amazing. Not a thing to complain about other than, phew, there's a lot of stress here because of the job. The culture under Elizabeth, basically every being for yourself, watch your back. <laughs> I, don't want her, I don't want her laser focusing on me. She changed how staff meetings go. When she took over as executive director, it used to be a very collaborative, open conversation between all staff. She shut that shit down. It was her staff meeting, and it got to the point where no one would say anything, ever. There were some issues at the spay-neuter clinic with personality clashes, and she would never address them. And she would always say, nope, it's the shelter's fault. The shelter's not being flexible. The shelter's not doing this. You're not doing that. You should be doing this. You're wrong. Meanwhile, people are leaving the spay-neuter clinic because they don't want to be yelled at anymore. Because there was one particular person that would yell at someone a lot that was an employee there. And when I would go to Elizabeth about this, she'd be like, well, I need you to take care of that. I'm not that person's boss, for one thing. (laughs) Two, you think I'm going to hold any weight with this person? Three, this is your job. You are her immediate supervisor, not me. The volunteer coordinator that we had there was moving on. She was taking nursing classes. I mean, I know firsthand because she told me part of the big reason why I'm leaving is Elizabeth, but I've always wanted to do nursing. So I'm taking this step. I'm going to get my nursing degree and move on. And of course, we're supportive. You know, I'm like, go for it. Go it. We're going to miss you. Go for it. And of course, Elizabeth is telling me it's my fault that this person's leaving, which I know is not true. But here's a prime example of what Elizabeth does. So we do a gift exchange around Christmas time, and it's like one of those elephant exchanges where you like, you know, pick a gift kind of thing. At a staff meeting, we're all there. So we all pick our names. And all of a sudden, I go back in my office and I shared an office with our volunteer coordinator and our um, assistant kennel director. And our volunteer coordinator was like, Why wasn't my name in there? I'm like, I, I honestly don't know at this time because she was part time. So I go to Elizabeth because Elizabeth was the one that put all the names in the thing. Like she said her name wasn't in there. It wasn't. I pulled it out. I didn't think she'd want to take part since she's part time. (laughs) I'm like, oh, and she's like, so you got to tell her why it's not in there. Prime. That's prime Elizabeth right there. Elizabeth takes zero accountability for her actions. And this is a great example of that. As a leader, 
Elizabeth should have talked directly to the volunteer coordinator about why she didn't include her. Instead, she hides behind Pamela. She also blames others for the turnover that's happening. Instead of taking accountability for her lack of leadership and lack of ability to resolve conflict amongst the staff. When personal issues arise, she doesn't know how to handle the situation. She avoids her own self-awareness as much as she avoids the awareness of the conflict within her organization. As a leader, it's her responsibility to facilitate a balanced and communicative work environment. Resolving personnel conflict is challenging, but when leaders completely avoid it, it makes for a highly toxic workplace. We hired someone to take our volunteer coordinator's place. She was coming from a veterinarian clinic. person came in for two weeks and said, I'm out. I'm not taking this job. And I don't blame her one bit. I don't blame her for one second. She went to talk to Elizabeth, say things like, you know, this is just a toxic environment. These people aren't nice to me. They yell at me, that sort of stuff, according to Elizabeth. And Elizabeth lost her mind. She, of course, blamed everything on me. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. We never yelled at this young lady. You know, we were nothing but, hey, ask me questions. Let me show you around. This is what I do. And so then I had a phone conversation with this person and her basic feedback was, look, this job is way more than I anticipated. There was one comment she said the assistant kennel director made that she took as aggressive. I talked to the person that was in that position. She was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. That wasn't my intention if she took it that way. Um, But of course, Elizabeth blamed it all on me and continually brought that up saying I was the reason why that person wasn't going to take the job. And my department was very poorly run. And this is why the organization isn't doing well. You're the reason why the capital campaign can't advance because the board's not going to support a capital campaign while your division of this organization is performing so terribly. Those types of comments. And so we hired another candidate from that same pool who maybe lasted six months. And she would come into my office on occasion and just be like, oh man, she's really breathing down my back and making all these demands and this and that. Well, she finally reached her breaking point. Like I said, it was about six months later. We were having a going away party for her that day. And I was over in another building setting setting up for a party. And she walks in and she doesn't know I'm in there. She's like, oh, my fucking God, I can't take it any damn more. And she turns around and she's like, oh, I'm like, are you okay?" She's like, I'm I'm just I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Elizabeth was just in my office. You want to know why I'm leaving this job? Don't let her tell you any other reason than it's her. I was like, "I, I hear you. I hear you. And she's like, she just was in my office. And, you know, this is my last day. And all of a sudden she's coming here telling me that. I'm doing a terrible job and I can't leave until I get her this report, this report, and this report, and this report, and I do this and I do that. I'm so done. I'm like, hey, just hang out in here. Take a few deep breaths. When it's time for you to go, leave. Don't worry about what she wants. And that's when I knew once she left that post, I knew, okay, it's my turn now. And it was. I mean, she just came on hard after that. 
From this point on, Elizabeth was determined to build a case against Pamela, and Pamela saw it coming. At this point, she had been with the organization for over 15 years and had never had a bad review. Elizabeth would change that trajectory. I was like, sooner or later, she will target me. Hindsight, I knew that, and I knew that at the, at the time. So for the first year, probably wasn't terrible for me. I mean, it wasn't great. It's not like we're like, oh, yeah, we're buddies, because we're not. But that last year, that's when things really started going south for me, where she was just really relentless in her approaches. But I was determined not to give up for whatever reason, right or wrong. I knew she was trying to force me out, but I'm going to force her to fire me. And that's what I did. I forced her to fire me. I did, you know, she knew I wasn't going to give in. Somewhere along the line, Elizabeth comes to me and is saying, hey, so the board is paying for me to go see this uh, specialist that helps people grow professionally. I need you to come with me. It's, It's to the point where it's time for you to join me. I'm like, what are you talking about? Who is this person? And why am I involved? We had just finished a course that was for nonprofits, all about learning how your brain works, how you operate as a business person, what's your voice. And I had actually approached the leaders of that little seminar because it was over five weeks. And I was like, hey, I don't know if you can tell, but Elizabeth and I have issues with communication. Can you all help us? And they were like, you know what? We saw that. We can see that you're really trying. Those were his words. You're really trying and not getting anywhere. Yes, we would be glad to help you. So when that course ended and I had gotten that information from the instructor, Elizabeth pops up with this other other person that she wants me to go see with her. And I was like, you know what? I actually talked to the guy that led the thing and he would be you know, willing to sit with us in no charge. And she lost her mind, lost her mind. I guess because, you know, I am theorizing, but I'm guessing because he now has more intimate knowledge of the dynamics between Elizabeth and I than she wanted. That's when she presented this other person to me and that the board, you know, has approved this person, did a search and found this person specifically for Elizabeth to see and so forth and so forth. So I asked who this person was. She loses her mind. How dare you question a decision the board has made that they feel is in the best interest of this organization? I'm like, mm, I really don't think it's unreasonable for me to ask who you want me to go see with you. So I do it. I go. I'm like, I'm going to see where this takes me. And this lady is well known in the community, has been doing this for decades, is there to help Elizabeth and I communicate and to kind of see where each other is at. Like what I see are the most important things I do, what Elizabeth sees as the most important things I do. Of course, those lists are very different. I'm like, yep, mm-hmm. she's making her list and she's checking it twice. Three visits in and this lady looks at me and she's like, I just want you to know the only time I've seen you be animated and happy is when I asked you what the job meant to you. And that speaks volumes. And this was at the end of our third session. And she looked at me and she said, Pam, I know it's very hard to feel like you're in a corner cowering down and have no voice. And I was like, you are absolutely 100 percent right. Never had another meeting with her after that. 
It sounds like Elizabeth is trying to get third parties involved, not for the purpose of finding alignment with Pamela, but more as a way to find corroboration so that she can bring it back to the board and tell them Pamela is a lost cause or unfixable. In both instances, when the facilitator would remark that Pamela was trying or that there was a way to resolve the issues, the meetings would abruptly end and nothing would come from them. Elizabeth's plan was backfiring, so she had to find another way to push Pamela out. Pamela met with the same advisor that the board provided outside of work in a one-on-one consultation, and the lady gave her the name and number of another counselor for her to talk to. I met with that lady one time, and she was like, oh my God, you know, I told her some of the stories, and she's like, here's my number, you call me whenever you need me. But by that point, my mental stability was, I mean, I was just crying every day going to work. At the beginning of 2020, I pretty much had a nervous breakdown and had to take a medical leave of absence for about three weeks. You know, looking back, I can see I was really just a shell of a person by that point. My life was about to dramatically change. I loved the job. I loved what I did. I loved the people that I worked directly with. I had made an appointment to speak to my general physician about getting on some type of antidepressant. And I remember I cried all the way to work that day. I went directly into the office manager's office and said, I need to take a medical leave of absence. And she's like, great. Elizabeth really cares and supports you. And I said, I'm glad you think that. I don't believe that. (laughs) During her medical leave of absence, Pamela took the initiative to find help and get better. And so while I was on medical leave, I, you know, COVID was happening. So I signed up for better help. I was meeting with that person once a week. Thank God for her because, you know, I was telling her what was happening. And she's like, okay, you know what she's doing. She's like, so let's work on the tools to manage this so that when she does let you go, you're going to be okay. And thank God for that. I mean, that was the right approach, right? I didn't need anyone to tell me, oh, you're victimized here. She was empowering me not to be the victim. You know, she really was. She was like, let's give you the tools to get you in a good spot. She had me read literature like uh, working with toxic people, working with passive aggressive people, working with narcissists. I mean, she gave me all these great tools to help myself, which did help me because the day that it came, My schedule was 7.30 to 4.30. It was like 2.15 in the afternoon. I hadn't taken my lunch yet. I was going to take my lunch. Elizabeth calls me on my desk phone and is like, hey, which right when she's trying to be nice, I'm like, okay, something's up. Can you meet me and over at the spay neuter clinic for a quick minute? It won't take but like five minutes. We just got to meet with you real quick. And I was like, well, I'm actually going to take my lunch. So now's not a good time. It, It won't even take five minutes. Do you mind? you know, basically not taking your lunch is what she's saying. I was like, okay, yep, I'll meet you over there. I walk in there and I knew, I was like, all right, I'm here for my firing squad. Give it to me. And she slides a piece of paper across the desk and was like, well, here's your severance package offer. Please take time to review it. You have so many days to agree to it. Give me your key, give me your phone. And um, that was it. And so I leave. And I'm just like, oh, God, thank you. That's over. You know, of course, the email goes out that I'm no longer with the company, blah, 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 blah. The very next day, 
you know, I, I'm getting all these communication, I communication through my friends because I don't have my phone anymore. It was a work phone. And up until that point, I was like, I really need to go get my own number. I know it's coming. I got to go get my own phone. So I left that day, went and got my own phone. And she literally told people at the staff meeting, Pam has decided to leave us. I got that from more than one person. Pam has decided to leave us. And she was giving crocodile tears. Why would Elizabeth tell the staff that Pamela made the decision to leave? Once again, Elizabeth isn't owning her actions because the actions she takes aren't taken with integrity and truth. Firing someone who has been in the organization for over 15 years isn't going to cut it with Pamela's colleagues. And Elizabeth knew this, so she put on a show to save face and look like the good guy. Luckily, the release was a relief for Pamela. Once she was removed from the situation, she was able to grow and heal. It was a huge relief. It honestly was. I was like, oh, God, thank God that's over. I took a few weeks just to do nothing, just to do things I wanted to do around the house, just chill, just decompress. I, in earnest, started looking for a job probably in August, put out a bunch of feelers. I ultimately got a a gig as a library assistant at elementary school. I loved it. I loved that job so much. Oh my God, that job was so much fun. Pay's not great, but you know, I loved it. I'm in a different job now. I took another job for an animal shelter. They had a animal manager position open up. So I'm in that position now. Things are going well. Yeah, I mean, it, it took me about six months to really kind of, and I was continuing therapy there for a while to kind of feel like, okay, what happened to me sucked. I feel so much better. I feel alive. I feel like myself again. I feel like I can laugh and not be so serious and, you know, feel like the weight of the world is on my shoulders anymore. And I don't have to work with Elizabeth. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) And unbeknownst to me, my doctor put me on a suicide watch. I didn't even know that until a year later when she's like, I think we're going to take you off suicide watch now because you seem really great. And I, and my doctor said, I'm so happy you're not working at that place anymore. I asked Pamela what her advice would be to someone else going through a similar situation. And she said, it starts with trusting yourself and taking time out for you. Don't be afraid to take care of yourself. Don't think that you're the crazy one. That's what these people that behave this way will make you think. They'll make you think it's all your fault, and it's not. You are responding to a situation that is not normal. Listen to yourself. Get yourself help. Even if it's just like how lucky I got to get that one counselor is like, all right, you know what she's doing. Let's give you the skills to make it to the end, to see this through. You know, I, I'd like to think that I've really grown from that point. And even with this new job that I have working with animals and working in, in a sheltering environment, I am not as emotionally invested. So I feel like I have a clearer vision. You know, when I took this job, I was like, I'm going to give myself a year and see how it goes. But even that, even that internal language has changed. And I'm like, I'm going to give myself permission to change my mind. And I'm going to give this a year. 
unless. And there are some things that are those unlesses. If I start seeing that type of same behavior, I'm not sticking around. There are tons of other jobs out here that you can do. And just like I never would have thought that I'd be a library assistant at an elementary school, oh my God, did I love that job. And I love the people that I work with. And doing something outside what you think you're capable of doing, you can do it. You can do it. As if the growth and relief from leaving her toxic workplace wasn't enough to give Pamela closure, Karma served up even more validation by taking care of Elizabeth. You know, I hear, I heard some stories about some of her behavior after I left uh, with other new employees and other staff members. Apparently, she had a verbal altercation with a employee, and she was like, no, the next day. She finally got fired. Ding dong, the witch is dead. And so that told me that they were already planning on it because what they described as happening wasn't, it paled in comparison to some of the other stuff that she had done. So I think they had already been planning on letting her go, if I had to guess. And by the time she was let go in her three-year tenure with an organization that has under 20 employees and on the shelter side, you know, it has even le- you know less. That's combined all together. It was 26 or 28 employees came and went. Pamela's story is the perfect example of what happens when a toxic person is put into a leadership role and has full control over the fate of an organization. The effects it has on the people within that organization are detrimental to their health and mental well-being. Pamela experienced this firsthand, but was able to push through and find wisdom in her negative experience. If you're pushing through a toxic situation right now, keep going. You're going to find something worth fighting for on the other side. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Do you have a story you'd like to share on our show? Go to ToxicWorkplacePodcast.com and click on Be a Guest. Fill out the submission information and we'll be in contact. Your story will be told anonymously. All names are changed to protect the privacy of the company and its employees. We look forward to hearing from you. And hey, by the way, if you like this podcast, please be sure to leave a positive review. It's much appreciated.